Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. And today we are concluding our series that we've called Let Hope In. And next week we start another series on Mother's Day. And again, we have photographers coming that are, uh, and we have two of them coming, so it'll get you in and out real quickly. Hope that you'll take advantage of that. Well, today we're talking about overcoming fear. And listen, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand uh, if you have any fears, because every person sitting here has fears. I mean, let's just go ahead and admit it. We all have them. And, and let me just say this. Fear is not natural. We're not born to be naturally afraid. Uh, psychologists tell us that we're born with like this fear of sound, like loud noises. Babies are born with that. But outside of that, pretty much, uh, we don't have, we're not born with them. So how does fear come into our lives? Well, this is what a psychologist say. They say that, you know, your, your brain is acting right now in a manner that some of you are thinking, some of you have reached down and got a pen, you know, to, to write, fill in the blanks on your notes. Some of you have actually, uh, you know, picked up your program. And so you're thinking right now what you're doing. Some of you are thinking right now what you're going to be doing after this service, you know. Uh, and so your brain is, is that cognitive kind of deal helps you think. But also there's the primitive side of your brain, the other side of your brain, that actually is on autopilot. That means that, you know, you're not thinking, okay, heartbeat right now. You're not thinking that, but your brain is signaling for your heart to beat. You know, you're, you're not uh, having to tell yourself, okay, I got to breathe right now. Now now that I said that, you are. You're going, oh, I need to breathe. Yeah, but your brain is signaling that. It's on autopilot. This is what I want you to know, is that your brain is so powerful that it is actually, it is scanning across the room right now, and it's just going, you know, what do I need to know? Information, what do I need to know? And as you, as you grow and develop and as you begin to hear things or experience things that seem to be a little dangerous, all of a sudden your brain plants a red flag in your brain. So like when you watch the news and you hear, you know, there's been break-ins in people's homes. Well, the night before you go to bed, after you hear that, you go by your door and lock it and you check twice. Why? Because your brain put a flag there and said, Somebody may break in your home. And so fear begins to plant flags all in our brains, you know, all over. We have all these fears that, that happen. And so today, I want to tell you that knowing that, we have to have a way of overcoming them. Because most fears are never realized. I would say this to you today. I, we could talk about fears of such as heights. We could talk about fears of claustrophobic. We could talk about all those fears. But I would say that every one of us has one fear that's common, and it is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. That's what scares us more than anything else, right? I mean, listen, isn't heaven a great place? Don't you want, you know, when you leave this world, don't you want to go to heaven? But it's still a little bit, uh, why? If we could make a trip into heaven and come back and say, okay, yeah, I'll be ready when it's my time. I know what it's like. But it's the fear of the unknown. 
It scares us. But this is what I want you to know. Is that the cure for fear is faith. It's faith. I heard this statement one time, and it's been around. It's a little saying that says, you know, no God, N-O God, N-O peace, no peace. But then there's the K-N-O-W God and the K-N-O-W peace. So if you know God, you know peace. But if you have no God, you have no peace. And there is truth to that, is to knowing God is peace in our life. So I'd like to pick it up this morning and by this one statement that's on your outline. It says this, faith is trusting our known God in our unknown circumstances. That's what faith is, trusting our known God in our unknown circumstances. This morning, uh, as I begin to share this with you, I want to go ahead and give you point number one. We're going to jump right into a story. The first thing I would say to you, if you want to overcome your fears, is this. Introduce your known Jesus to your unknown circumstance. Introduce your known Jesus to your unknown circumstance. I say that for this reason. Is that in the Bible, there is an account, actually, of where Jesus feeds the 5,000 besides the women and children. And all the people say, yeah, you know, you're you're the king. We want to go ahead and make you king and ruler right now. And Jesus sees a political movement beginning to start, and he doesn't want his disciples to get caught up in that. So he tells them, you go get in a boat, and you go across the lake or the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, Rhonda and I, when we was in Israel, were actually on that. It's only about seven miles wide at its widest point and about 13 miles long. It's not that big at all. He said, now, you guys cross over to the other side, the other city, and get away from this. And it was late in the, it was late at night. Matter of fact, it was real early in the morning. It was like the fourth watch of the morning, which meant it was from 3 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning. So now it's dark, and they're out there on the sea. Let's pick up the story in your outline. It says this. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up to pray on a mountainside by himself later that night. He was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Now notice this, the boat the disciples are in. Buffeted by waves because the winds were against it. Now let me explain this to you. In the Sea of Galilee, there's a mountain range that is all around this. This is a freshwater lake, really, a big lake. And there's these mountain ranges all around it. So the desert winds blow in sometimes, and when it does, it catches the, those mountains and it begins to swirl like this. And at any moment, without any notice, the wind can blow really hard across there, just a big gust. And all of a sudden, the lake down there becomes so turbulent that it's like a, a bad sea. You know, it's like waves that are really high that, that will tip a boat over, over. And these men were fishermen that were in the boat. They were used to the lake. But now there's a fear, ferocious storm that has happened and they're scared for their lives. Let me just say this to you. The storm in your life is the unknown. And the storm that they were in was the unknown. How is this going to end? Are we going to make it? Are we going to die right here on this lake? And many of you sitting here today, right now, you are going through a storm in your life, and the unknown is, am I going to make it through this? That's the question. It's the unknown. The unknown. We go back into the story. Look what happened. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. So Jesus is walking on the water here. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Notice what they said. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
Notice what happens when you and I get into a storm, into the unknown, all of a sudden panic begins to set in and paranoia begins to set in and all of a sudden we begin to visualize things that really are not true. For example, if you let one of your children do something that's not right, if you're a parent here today, Maybe, let's just say they go, they go off the deep end and, and maybe they try drugs or something. You know, one time they, they, they try to go out with their buddies and they, they smoke a, a, a little Mary Jane. Is that what you call that? Okay, nobody's moving right now. No, no, I don't know. I don't know, man. You're talking to me. You know, I don't know. One of those funny cigarettes, you know. So anyways, maybe they do that. Here's what, as a parent, and your parents have done this too, as a parent... All of a sudden, you see your child behind bars the rest of their life, right? Oh, no, you're going to be a drug addict. You know, you're going to be in jail your whole life. You're going to lose everything. I mean, panic sets in, right? Because the picture that comes up is that they're going to ruin, they're ruin their life by one mistake. And that's just not true. And we could go into all kinds of scenarios with that. Our brain automatically goes into panic and paranoia. But look what happens. Here we go. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Notice that. Do not be afraid. The unknown causes us great anxiety and causes us to have worries. But for the Christ follower, for the person that follows Jesus Christ, Jesus is always standing in the midst of the storm. And He's always saying this to you. He's saying, I am here. Do not be afraid. And that's what he's speaking to you today in the unknown situation that you're in. Do not be afraid. You see, God is present and God is at work. I read a story this week of a general who was uh, in the Persian army. And they, they captured these spies. And so the sentence for the spy was death, you know. And so they said, okay, they gave him a choice. The general said, all right, you can actually have go before the firing squad or you can choose that big black door over there to walk through it and see what awaits you on the other side. And the spy said, I'll take the, I'll take the firing, uh, firing squad. And sure enough, he was executed. And one of the general's aides asked him, said, sir, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. He said, why did you do that? He said, well, I always give them a choice. And he says, it's amazing to me how the, all of the people, the majority of the people will always choose the known as to the unknown. And the general, the aide said, sir, can I ask you what's on the other side of that door? He said, freedom. They would have walked out that door and continued to walk on into life and would have been free. But most people are not brave enough to choose the unknown because we'd rather be in the known. You see, here's the problem, is that many times we pray for God to deliver us out of the circumstance that we're in right now, the known, and in order for Him to do that, He's got to move you into the unknown. And because we're so afraid of the door, the black door, the unknown, we're so afraid of that, that we revert back to the known that we ask God to deliver us out of. Does that make sense to you? Like a bad, you know, like a, an abusive relationship. You know, it's the known. Like a weird people like, you know, someone in my family this week, I'm like, why is this person staying in that very abusive relationship? Why? Because it's the known. They're more afraid of the unknown. But on the other side is freedom. And in your life and in my life, it's the unknown. It's the unknown where freedom actually is in the scary part of life. Are you tracking with me this morning? 
Getting that? Okay. All right. Hope comes flooding in when you realize that the known God is calling the shots in the unknown situation. You know, as a church here, we have a vision. We believe that God has placed us right now in history, at this moment and in, in this time, to give hope to those that are hopeless. I had someone tell me this last week. They had not been to church in a while. And they said this to me. They said, you know, my daughter, four-year-old daughter, said, said every week, Mommy, can we go to church? Can we go to church? She said, I just want you to know that we are here today because God, because our daughter has begged us to come back to church. We've been so busy, we haven't had time, but she won't stop saying, let's go to church. And you know what that means? God is at work in the children's lives. He said, God's at work in your children's lives. He's at work in my children's lives. Why? Because he, God is beginning a movement now where it seems like culture has shifted so far away from God and we feel like there's no way back. I'm telling you now, in the little children, God is beginning to breathe himself into their lives and faith is growing in this generation and we're going to see revival like never before because God is doing a work in our children. Amen? Let's give God a hand for that. He's doing the work. He doesn't need me or you he, to, to tell him just right. He's doing the work. And that's why we are investing in our children. You know what? We're raising up the next generation. That's why we're going to be expanding our, our building in our children's area. Why? Because we believe that God has called SCC to be a place of hope and refuge. And we're going to share the good news with other people. And we believe that God is going to use us to help people's lives be restored and be revived. That's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church is to offer you hope today. Because many of you are walking through an unknown situation and you're scared right now. You don't know what to do. You don't know how it's going to come out. But I'm tell you today there's a God that's on the throne that has got his eye on you he's walked every day of your life with you he sees you right now he's tracking right along with you and just at about the time that you think you can't take it anymore the the known God is going to step into your unknown circumstance and he's going to make something happen and you're going to go wow he really is God amen he really is God Teenagers are struggling today with broken hearted. You know, you know, I read a statistic that one out of four teenagers today between the ages of 13 and 19 are, have a sexually transmitted disease. We failed them. So we have to change that. The church is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer, and the church is the method that gets the message out. So we have to be a church that says, no, we, we will stand for what's right. Why? Because they're when we shut up, they suffer. When we quit being a church that, that God has called us to be with morals and value and integrity and character, then guess what? The next generation suffers. Somebody has to say, listen, the best thing for sex is wait till you get married. Somebody has to say that. No, is Hollywood saying that? No. Is, is, you know, is everything on Facebook saying that or online? No. The only people that are saying that are people that believe in, in God Almighty and have His values. Why? Because it's safer that way. We're called to do that, to say, I'm sorry. I know, it's, I know it's not popular, but this is what's best for you. And that's why God said it. And let me tell you something. You'll have a better marriage if you wait on this. Amen? Amen. Oh, I know that's not popular. You don't have to clap to that. I know it's not. But it's true. 
Amen, it's true. They will carry less scars, and that's why we're a church of vision. Listen, we're a church of hope. Why? Because I've never heard a time in my life to where so many people are just losing all hope, and they're going home, and they're blowing away their family and then themselves. Are you kidding me? We have a person has a problem, and so they just said, well, I'm just going to kill my whole family and then me. That's a hopeless world. They're saying there's no hope for them. There's no hope for them. There's no hope for them. So I'll play God. I'll just be God. I'll go and take their lives myself. And listen, when you don't have a God, you become God. Or you think you are. Our world needs God, right? It needs hope. And, and it, needs, it needs to see that they're in, the, in the unknown circumstances, there's a no, known God that is in control and able to do it exceedingly and abundantly. And above all, we can even ask, imagine, or think. We need hope. Amen? And you have it. And I have it. And as a church, it's our responsibility to give that hope. Now today, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know what I'm talking about. I want to challenge you to become a Christ follower today. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to walk forward. Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is take that program you have, and I'm going to ask you to look on, on the, uh, under point three, and it says, a prayer to become a Christ follower. And today, if you're not a Christ follower, I want you to pray that prayer. And if you mean it in your heart, God will come into your life, and he will change you and rearrange your life. And the only thing I ask you to do is check it on the back of this card so that we can pray for you. On the back of this connection card, it says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Okay, number two. I'm already way behind, by the way. Faith is trusting our known God in our unknown circumstance. Number two, try... Here's how we overcome fear. Stop trying to decrease your fear and increase your faith. It's not about your doubts. It's about your faith. Look what happens. We go back into the story. Remember, they're crying out. They're in a storm. Oh, we're going to die here. We're going to die. Oh, there's a ghost coming toward us. And it was Jesus. Look what happened. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was what? Afraid. You know why? The unknown. I mean, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. This is unknown territory. I, I'm not supposed to, it's not supposed to happen. It was unknown. The storm was going. It was unknown. But when he saw the winds, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. And he said these four words. Would you read them out loud with me? Come on, let's read them out loud. You of little, you of little faith. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? Notice he didn't say, you of big doubts. You, you, you of big doubts. He didn't say that. He said, you of little faith. In other words, doubt is not your problem. Why? Because we're all going to have doubts at times. But the, here's, here's the deal. Your faith just has to be a little bit bigger than your doubt, and you can live a faithful life. Because you're going to have a... Doubts are like the waves of the ocean. They come rolling in, especially in the unknown time. Would you agree with that? There's going to be times that you're going to even doubt, is there a God? You're going to have that question go through your mind, and it's going to run through your mind. And I want you to know, you're normal. Did you hear that? You're no it's normal for you to question, is there a God? Because you can't see him. And especially when you get in the unknown times of life, it's normal for you to question that. But here's what I would say to you. 
is that when, when doubt comes knocking on your heart's door and says, is there a God, is there a God, if you would just open up your heart a little bit, I guarantee you your faith in God will answer that door. And as long as it's just a little bit more than your doubt, you're going to keep trucking right along, and God will come in sooner or later. Amen? He's going to come in. Jesus taught us this in, in Matthew. He said this, in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I've tried to talk about the Lord's Prayer this whole series because I pray it every day. I, if you don't know how to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. I wrote a book out there that, that teaches you how to pray the Lord's Prayer. I would recommend it. I pray it every day. Jesus said this, look, would you read Matthew 6 to 11 with me? Come on, let's read it together. You ready? Give us today our daily bread. What does that mean, daily bread? That means the faith for today. God, give me what I need today, what I need right now today to face whatever I'm going to face. You see, I don't need enough faith for tomorrow, and I don't need enough faith for next year. I just need faith for today, because if I have faith for today, it gives me hope for tomorrow. Would you agree with that? Every day, every day, I'm like, God, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. I'm like, God, give me the faith I need today to trust you one more day, just one more, just today, no matter what happens, no matter what I'm going to face, just trust you today, God. When you do that, man, your faith begins to grow. It begins to grow and changes you. And God will do anything to get you to trust Him. I'm fixing to blow some of you away right now. There's something that the Bible calls tithing. And you know, that could be a, if, if you're not in church, that could be a negative term. But it's, it's not, it's a positive term. And the Bible says, the way that God says, I want to prove to you that I'm alive and that I'm well. And here's the way I'm going to do it. Look at this verse with me, Malachi 3.10. He says, whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, would you read these next four words with me that are underlined? You ready? Test me in this. In other words, this is the only way that you can ever test God to see if he's real. The tangible way. He said, if you do this, I'm going to show you in a tangible way that I'm real. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open, uh, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough for it. I give this what we call the tithe challenge about every three months because I want people to learn to trust God. And I did this about three months ago, and there was a couple that I'd like you to hear from today, Daniel and Rachel May. I'd like for you to hear their story. About a year and a half ago, Pastor Jeff uh, preached a sermon on giving, on tithing. And at first I just thought, okay, here he goes again, talking about wanting more money. But something about that particular sermon really got me, really touched my heart, really made me think a lot about where we were financially and uh, where we should have been. So I went home that Sunday afternoon and talked to Daniel about you know, the sermon and what I was feeling. Um, and where I felt God was leading us, he was a little reluctant at first. I'd say I was a little bit more than uh, reluctant. I was extremely skeptical. So when um, my wife came to me about the tithing, and I had heard Pastor Jess's uh, sermon, and I've heard it before, and I've seen videos like this before as well. I just, it really, I just said, okay, you know, here we go again. I know we give what we can, but at this point, I could see that it was really important to Rachel. So I said, "Okay, we will we will take the challenge, and we will give our ten percent 
as as it uh, as we should. We started giving, um, and we gave her ten percent. We we looked at how much of the money was coming in. We we had done a budget. That's when we noticed blessings started to come in. The blessings started off, you know, a little blessing here and a little blessing um, there, and every time something little would happen and there'd be a, a blessing, I would just look at Daniel and I'd say, that's because we tithe. That's because we tithe. That's happening to us because we're tithing. Now, we are not completely um, debt-free, but we are a lot closer than where we were um, months ago. Um, and we know that this is because of God's blessing, because we took that tithe challenge and we trusted God with our finances. Um, he really has blessed us when the Bible tells you to test God in this. We did. We tested God in this, and He showed up just like He has every time. So God's been good to us. Uh, and now we're up, I'm at, for me, for a total skeptic, uh, he was extremely reluctant to dedicate a tenth, a tenth of my salary. I'm finding now that I am gladly giving this money. And I want to give this money, and I actually want to give more. I just want to take the time to thank Pastor Jeff for, for offering the, the tithe challenge um, to the congregation, to us specifically, um, because it really has made a big difference um, in our lives. I do encourage anyone that does hear this message that um, that you take it upon yourselves to, to give it a shot, give it a try. I, I can say, at least I can testify, I, I promise that it does work. Now let me say this to you. You say, well, what is a tithe challenge? Well, inside of your program, you'll see it on the, it says 90 days, take the 90 days tithe challenge. What does that mean? That means that you bring 10% of your income, the Stockbridge Community Church, to give it to God through the, through the church, and it, after 90 days, if you say this was a burden to me, it caused me a financial hardship, God did not bless me, all you do is let us know. You can let our accountant know here. You just write on your connection card, God didn't bless me. I'd like my tithe back. We don't ask you any questions. We give you 100% of what you've given back. 100%. Why would anybody do that? Because if God said, this is the only way that you're going to know I exist if you do this, then I think as a pastor, I should do everything I know to do to get you to take the steps so that you will know that he exists. And so, like Daniel and Rachel said, you know, we've heard this all this time before, but we decided to do it. Well, I'm not begging you. I'm just going to give you the opportunity. It's here if you want to take it. And the only thing I ask you to do, if you want to take that challenge on the back of your connection card, is a box that says, I want to take the tithe challenge for 90 days. And if you do that, I guarantee, listen, we will give you your money back if God doesn't bless you. And listen, we've given it back before. You know, over the last 18 years, I've given it back about four times. Uh, our church has given it back. So if you just put it in an envelope or you send, you know, give it in a way that we can know that, that you gave it, which is online or a kiosk or something, we'll give it back to you. So just want to encourage you with that. So it's on the card. If you want to take the challenge, I double dog dare you. And some of you, some of you, you know, you like a while before you said, well, I, I thought about it and you haven't done it in a while. I want to encourage you. If you're not tithing, just take the challenge. And man, why not, why not put God in the middle of your unknown financial situations? That's the challenge I'll give you today. Okay, number four is this, or number three actually. Focus on God's love and let it put your fear to rest. We go back into the story again, so 
Jesus is calming. Jesus has said, you know, he got back in the boat. He says, ye have little faith, and look what happens. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, notice that, saying, truly you are the Son of God. They were saying, they realized his love for them. They said, you know, you were willing to do anything to come to us and help us in this moment of unknown, uncertainty. That you were willing to walk across the water. And that's exactly what he did. He walked on water to come to them. And I'm telling you, God will do anything He can to, to come to you, no matter where you are right now, because He loves you. The way that we recognize His love is we put Him first. Jesus said this, look in Matthew 6 and 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You see, when you worship God, you put worry in its proper place. And worry's place is behind God, not in front of God. And so when you put God first in your life, you seek God first, you know, you pray daily, you try to read God's Word, you do those things to put God first. And when you do, your worship goes up and your worry goes down. The last verse I'd like to read to you today is 1 John 4 and 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Cast out fear. I want to tell you a personal story this morning. It's personal, very personal. When I was uh, six years old, my mom and dad divorced when I was two, but they had two children. They had me and I had an older brother who was about 15 months older than me. I woke up one morning to my mother screaming, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff! And I remember waking up and I, was, I woke up and, and I ran to, in there to find out what was wrong or what she wanted. And so I looked and my mom was, had my brother pinned on the floor with a spoon holding in his mouth, holding his tongue, keeping him from swallowing his tongue because he was convulsing. I had no clues what was going on. She said, go get the neighbors, go get the neighbors. We didn't have, at that time, we didn't have a phone in our house. So I ran and got the neighbors. They come back, took my brother to the hospital. He died with spinal meningitis. Ever since that day, I've had to deal with fear in my life of death. I can tell you that as a little boy, I would always be so afraid of everything because, I mean, a little blood, if, if I scratched myself and a little blood come out of me, I would think, oh, I'm going to die. I dealt with that when I was a little boy and even on up into a, a young adult. And then, and then when I become a man, even after becoming a Christian, it didn't go away. I was scared I was going to die. I was scared the God that was supposed to be a good God that, that, allowed, that took my brother was going to take me. Why should I pray to that God? Because if He took my brother, why wouldn't He take me? I was no better than Him. Why wouldn't He take me? And I finally understood. Matter of fact, I would, pray, I would not pray, God, Your will be done in, in my, on my life. Because I was afraid God was going to take my life. And I remembered what I did. And I want to share that with you. The moment that I finally realized how much God loved me. And He loved me. 
And when he loved, when I realized that he loved me more than anybody in my life had ever loved me, he loved me more than my, my father or my mother ever loved me, and he loved me more than my wife could ever love me, he loved me more than my children could ever love me, he loved me more than anybody I, I ever knew loved me. Once I did that, realized he loved, then I began to trust him. I said, God, I want you to know that any, my life is in your hands and whatever you see fit for my life, I accept that no matter what it is. Even if it means that I'm no longer here on earth. And that, is a, that was the most sobering prayer I ever prayed in my life and the scariest prayer I ever prayed in my life. But I learned that I could trust God. And today I want to encourage you through worship, lifting up God. Just like when Jesus came back in the boats, they said, you are God. You're the Savior of the world. You love us. That's why we worship you. It's because you come to us. You rescue us. You take care of us. You don't want to harm us. You want to help us. So we just want you to know we love you back. That's what worship is. We love you back. This is what I understood. It's through worship when I lift God up. Somehow he lifts me up. When, I, when you lift him up, you get lifted up. Why? It's a spiritual principle. When, when you return love back to God and thanks back to God, it's amazing how that he just lifts you up. And today, I want to give you an opportunity that no matter what you walked in today with, I want to give you an opportunity to lift him up, that he may lift you up. So would you stand with me right now? Our prayer partners are going to come down to the front. So if you'd like for someone to pray with you, they're here. But while they sing this song, would you focus on God? Forget about what you're going to do in 10 minutes. Right now, would you just focus on God and lift Him up? Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.